on works, but there we go, I'm on. That was my fault. Well, good morning again. Uh, glad you're here. Question, why are you here? Why this morning did you wake up and go, we should go to church? Um, good answer. If you didn't hear, he said, because we love God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, because we love the Lord. Well, and if you've been in church very long or you've attended, there's a lot of different reasons. Sometimes we go because that's the religiously right thing to do. Maybe we grew up that way and it's just what you do is you go to church. Maybe uh, you moved into town, you're like, I need to connect with some people. And so that's why you, you came to church or joined a church. Maybe you're, you're checking it out. You've heard, hey, God is moving there. Let's go see what that's about. We're going to talk today about the mission of the church. You know, what, and we're going to answer some questions. You know, why does the church exist? Why should you be part of a church, and what is your role? So that opening video was pretty cool. Um, but that asked those questions. And we at Common Ground, um, we want to be really clear about what we believe God has called us to do. And we want to be active in mobilizing all of us to do what God would have us do, to enjoy him in worship and to live in service. And so we are going to be looking at, again today, the mission of the church, and, and we're calling this series CORE. And so this is a, kind of an exciting series because we've recently revamped our, our mission vision. They haven't changed, honestly. We're just rephrasing them so they're more understandable. Um, but this series is going to be recorded, and we're going to be using this probably through the years so people could watch this and go, oh, I understand what that church is about, and either you want to be part of it, or it's like, yeah, I better find something a little bit different, and that's okay too. But here's going to be our core passage. It's going to be in Matthew. So turn to Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter 28. And we're not going to get into that passage just yet. We're going to go to a lot of different passages to support this one and then to share with you, you know, why we believe our mission is what it is. And it's pretty specific um, and it's laid out in scripture. We're going to be looking mostly at the things Jesus said about his mission and then therefore about our mission. But the first thing is I wanted to start with Matthew 16, 18. Because this is the first verse where we actually see the word church in the New Testament. And in this verse, it's Jesus speaking. And he had just asked his disciples, you know, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And he says, yeah, okay, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he says, you are right. And this, didn't truth, this truth didn't come from you. The Holy Spirit helped you understand that. He said, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Not the rock of Peter, the rock of the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. So in Matthew 16, 18, he says in response to that, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was the first time the word church is used. Now that word church is the Greek word ekklesia. Uh, you can say it different ways, but it, it means called out ones, those called out for a purpose. It doesn't mean a building. It doesn't mean a denomination. It means those called out from the world to be in a relationship with God for a purpose, not just called out to get into a, a little you know, church building and hang out together, but actually called for a purpose, ecclesia. Um, some translations of the Bible translate that word congregation which is a little bit better than church because church, our word church actually comes from a German word that means building. And so it's become confused in our traditions that we go to a church, that the church is somehow a holy place when really it, it isn't. Um, 
In the Old Testament, the temple was a holy place because God's spirit dwelt in the temple in Israel. Now, God dwells within his people. And so the people are the presence of God, not any kind of building. So the church is every person who has placed their faith in Jesus as Lord throughout history and time all over the world. So the church, there are some in the church attending churches who aren't part of the church. And there are some who don't attend church but are part of the church, although that will be rare because as you grow in Christ, you realize, you know, his, the, the great commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our love for Jesus is expressed in relationships with others. And so as we grow, we realize, oh, we need to be part of a local church, which is just a, a smaller expression of the larger church. So that's, that's the church. This is in your notes. The church is the people of God who believe in Jesus and follow him as Lord. It's people. Now, why does the church exist? Because God could have chosen to do this differently. He could have chosen to save people, you know, send his son, and, and then people hear about it through the Bible that would continue or whatever, and then just take them to be with him. But he has chosen for some reason to save us and leave us here. So why does the church exist? We'll go back to Matthew 16, 18, where he says, I'll build my church. And then he says this, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What's a gate for? A gate is to keep things out, right? A, a gate is a, a security thing. And so this, the first time Jesus uses the word church, it's actually aggressive um, and, and it's offensive. So the church, he says, I'm going to build my church, not smart people are going to build the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I mean, he was saying there are gates, the devil is real and he has he has these gates up, and he has people. In fact, every person ever born is born in sin, born apart from God. And so they're kind of in Satan's kingdom. And Jesus says, I'm going to bust down his gates, and I'm going to rescue people. How awesome is that? You know, it's not this passive. I'm going to make it so people can enjoy going to church and singing songs. together. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we need to do that. That's a huge part of this. But he says, I'm going to break down gates and save people. It is offensive, not defensive. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. Last passage before we get to Matthew. And this is Paul, and he says it this way. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has delivered us. This is what happens when Jesus expands his church by breaking down gates. He captures non-believers. He captures sinners, of which we all were sinners. Um, and he then transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Something happens when we believe that Jesus died on the cross and we place our faith in him as Lord. He then takes us out of this kingdom of darkness and transfers us to the kingdom of light right now. Not just later, right now, which is why the Bible talks about us as being aliens and strangers in this world. We're still here. We're still earthlings. <laughs> we're still Americans, but we're in his kingdom. He has rescued us. And this is a great kingdom to be in, full of love and joy and, and Jesus in charge. But God does this through his death and resurrection, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the mission of the church always goes back to the cross. Jesus did this rescuing by dying on the cross to forgive us for our sins, a penalty we could not pay, but a penalty that had to be paid, and he purchased us. 
And then this, it's this free invitation. It's not by works. And he offers this to anybody. Believe in me and you will have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And in that, he rescues us. That's the mission that he came on. It's beautiful. Now, is that the end? Well, Jesus said, I will build my church, meaning grow, expand, uh, break down more gates, rescue more people. And so look at Matthew 28. Hopefully you're turned there, 18 through 20. And by the way, it's okay to write in your Bible. It's okay to underline stuff and circle stuff uh, and write in the, in the margins, whatever. That's okay. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. And Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is called the Great Commission. This is Jesus has died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He spent some time with his disciples, uh, you know, teaching them about the kingdom. And then he takes them on a mountain and he tells them this. Here's your mission. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. That's the mission. Not go build a church and hang out with people you like. Although that's a benefit. That's wonderful. He says, go make disciples. But what is a disciple? Well, the mission, here's the first in your, in your notes. The mission of the church is to make disciples who make disciples. That's, that's the mission. And every church is going to say that in their own unique way. Every biblical church is just going to kind of rephrase that. There, there's nothing new when it comes to the mission of the church. It's been the same for 2,000 years. But different churches will choose to express it in different ways. But it boils down to this. Because you know, if we are making disciples and baptizing them, that is water baptism, baptizing them and then teaching them to obey and to follow, this is the, the, the process of discipleship because a disciple, this is also in your notes, a disciple of Jesus is a person who learns from and patterns their life after Jesus. That's a disciple. And, and often the church has made somewhat of a mistake of trying to make converts and just people who pray a prayer and say yes to Jesus, and then that's it. Jesus said, no, the mission is to actually make followers of me. People who will not just say they believe and get their get-out-of-hell card and then live life however they want. Rather, he died on the cross to save us so that he could be Lord of our lives so we could follow. So that, that's our mission, to help people follow, which includes, first, introducing them to Jesus. Hey, non-believer, Jesus, Jesus, non-believer, there you go. That's called evangelism. Um, and that, that will happen in many different ways, but they'll see Jesus in you. And so we build relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet. But then it includes, as this passage says, teaching them to observe. So that is, that is discipleship. It's teaching how to obey. This is why you know, we have our three key relationships over here. This is why we do groups the way we do. Because our role is to come together and help each other grow in him. Become more like Jesus. Learn things. Discover new things about him. Break old habits. I like that song that we were singing. You know, bring your addictions to him because he wants to break all those things uh, and draw us to him. That is discipleship. And so that is the, what God wants to do through us is make disciples. But there's another aspect of this. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
This is one of my favorite verses. You know, this is where Jesus, uh, he's telling the parable of the good shepherd. And he says, I've got my sheep and they're in a fold, but there's a thief that wants to climb over and steal these sheep. You know, the thief, again, is Satan. And here's that picture. Satan comes to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you see that going on all over the place. You know, Satan is behind. The enemy is behind a lot of these lies that are drawing people away and destroying them with sin. But Jesus says... I mean, look at all this uh, offensive, moving forward, rescue language. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is really good news. God is not this, this you know, guy up there in the heavens with a, a magnifying glass wanting to burn the ants, waiting for us to stumble so he can punish us. That's not the picture of God at all. God doesn't want to build a church of just religious people. He does want a church of, of religious people, but not doing religion. You, you know, I'm talking legalism uh, without the heart of just obedience uh, or a religion of don'ts. Oh, Jesus would want you to do that. Oh, don't do that. Oh, good, good Christians do this. No, rather, it's an abundant life, an abundant life. That is a beautiful picture. God wants us to have an abundant life. Do you realize that? So rather than that, this, you know, boy with a magnifying glass, you've got this God who owns everything, everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. Everything belongs to him. He's in heaven, and he's looking for those who belong to him and who give their hearts fully to him, and he has just arms full of blessings that he wants to give to his people. He wants to pour these things out, this abundant life. Now, as you study your Bible, as you read your Bible on your own, most of the time, the English word is accurate, right, and good enough. Uh, sometimes we make a mistake by thinking, oh, for us to really grow and go deep, we have to learn Greek or Hebrew. We really don't. But every now and then, there is a word that has more to it that doesn't translate into English. And this word life, he says abundant life, this is one of those words. Because when we use the word life, it can mean many things. I mean, but it's, it's life. And for the way we use it is typically the Greek word bios, you know, biological life. That's not this word. This word is zoe. This word is talking about a spiritual life, but not just spiritual life apart from biological life, but a full life, a great life, a life full of blessings, love, joy, peace, patience. Go down these lists. That's what this word means. So so he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Think about this as a parent. If you're a parent, you have kids. If you don't, you can imagine what it's like. You want your kids to thrive. You want your kids to enjoy life. You want them to have great relationships. You want them to make wise choices. That's what you want. Our God is a way better father than you could ever be. And he wants the same thing for his children, abundant life. But uh, here's the thing about that abundant life. It's not prosperity gospel. This has gotten confused, and and let me clarify that. Abundant life sometimes within the church has been manipulated to mean God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, He wants to bless you with worldly things. And any worldly thing we do get is a blessing from God. But there's a mistake there. And the problem comes when then people go to God to to get what they want from him. Or Or they're told this, give. You know, we're a church, you're supposed to give. You give generously to the church and God is going to give more to you. There is, in the Proverbs you read, there is kind of this principle of giving to God and he gives back. The problem is when we give in order to get... There's a heart problem there. And so this prosperity gospel is God is your genie. (laughs) And so so do these things so that you get from him. Rather, the right thing about this abundant life is God is 
all glory. Yeah, he deserves all glory. God is the creator. Jesus died. Our response is, we love you. <laughs> our response is worship. Our response is praise. We get on our knees before him. That's our response. And then he gives us this abundant life that is a spiritual life. And sometimes, absolutely, there are physical blessings. But he wants us to have an abundant life. Now, okay, part of our mission, how? How do we experience this abundant life? Why are there so many Christians living miserable lives? Grumpy, stressed, anxious. They're not experiencing the abundant life, although they very well might belong to the Lord. Well, it comes down to what we talked about last week and we talk about all the time. John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding. Okay, leave that verse up real quick. And then let's look back at the Great Commission. Where in Matthew 28, it says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Right there, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Part of our mission then is teaching how to abide. That's what this means. Again, this is why we do groups the way we do. We want to get together and wrestle with life and wrestle with the word. How can we experience this abundant life? It's from abiding in Jesus. It doesn't come from knowing a lot of the Bible, although that helps. It doesn't come from attending church, although that helps. It comes from clinging tightly to Jesus. Anything religiously that you do, any activity, can help with that abiding, but they can never be separated from the abiding, although often they have been doing religious duty, but not really clinging to Jesus. And so this abundant life is only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. And that is really the core mission. So you are here this morning. My heartbeat is that you grow in your abiding relationship with Jesus because I know if you do, he's going to produce great things in you. And he's going to produce great things in your children if you have children. You know, I used to be a youth pastor, but what I realized more and more was these kids, I get them for a week or, or uh, an hour or two a week, and, and I can help them, but the best thing I could do for them is to help them have parents who have an abiding love relationship with Jesus. That's the best thing I can ever do for kids. And so I said, I'm going to go work on the parents because they need the most work anyway. <laughs> you know it's true. Um, I look in the mirror, it's, it's true. The abundant life grows out of a heart in complete loving dependence on God. That's it. This is harder than religion. I'll be honest. Because this goes to the heart level. There's not a list of do's. You do these exact things and you get, you know, A plus B equals C. It's not exactly that way. It's a relationship where we try things and, and, and abide and mess up and receive his grace. It's a relationship. And this, this life is full of prayer, full of worship, full of scripture, full of community. This is why here at Common Ground, worship is a big deal to us. And we mean all of this. We think we should have lives of worship, but the singing portion, too, is a big deal. That's why after, after the sermon time, we go back to music. We do communion every other week because communion is a valuable part of worship, remembering what Jesus did, looking forward to him coming back. That's why we have our prayer walls over here so that we, we, like, we think it's important to be active in worship. You are not spectators 
at a worship event where we're the ones worshiping and you're watching. We are all, I mean, you know, I could be this way. We are all here worshiping God together. And so we want to be active in worship. That's part of this abundant life. And so as a church, we try to provide environments where we can meet with God together. That's part of our mission here. And this great commission, as you look back at Matthew 28, it says in verse 20 again, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, which includes this command. And so the picture Jesus has of how he's going to do it is reproducing, meaning all of us then are finding other people to dig into. All of us are part of this mission to make disciples. So here's our mission statement. Common ground here, we say we are connecting people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. That's our mission. You, you can narrow that down to three words, connecting, abundant, and abiding. You know, and as we wrestled through, how do we restate this? As you look at it, you're like, oh, that's really saying the same thing as we were saying before. It is. Um, but we're trying to say it in a way that, that somebody new can get it a little bit. And the rest of us can memorize it and go, this is what we're part of. We're not just church attendees or whatever. We are part of this mission trying to connect people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. Now, you would think it's easy to come up with these words, uh, but we spent quite a bit of time wrestling with it, talking about it, and then sending it to group leaders. And group leaders had some really good response of like, ah, that comes across this way. And so we had to adjust it and change it. So thank you, group leaders and, and elders and others who were part of molding and crafting these words. But it's just our way of staying the Great Commission, saying the Great Commission here in Matthew 28, that we are connecting people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. So by next week, you all need to have that memorized. But you see, we're connecting people to Jesus. Part of connecting people to Jesus is connecting people to God's people. But Jesus is that ultimate goal. We want people to experience him. Again, not just conversions, but growing in this relationship. Now, I also told you that uh, we're going to try and answer the question, what's your part? So why do we go to church? Well, he tells us to be part of a church. What's the mission of the church? It's to make disciples. It's to connect them to Jesus where they can experience a great abundant life by abiding in him. But what's your role? What's my role? Do we have a role? Well, we believe here at Common Ground very strongly that each one of us has a role. We do not believe in the traditional thing, which is in any organization. 20% uh, of the people do 80% of the work. That's not what God designed. God actually designed all of us to live on, on mission and to be part of it. We enjoy the phrase. We like the phrase cruise ship or battleship. And we taught on this before, and, and David Manser made a really cool graphic. Um, but here's, is the church more like a cruise ship or is it more like a battleship? A cruise ship, you go on a cruise ship to be served to get the things you like, you know, to get good food, good drink, comfy seats, whatever, you know, you go to, to get. But a battleship, and actually better would be an aircraft carrier. We have Rhiannon in here. She was on an aircraft carrier. My father-in-law was on an aircraft carrier. And, and when we were talking about this a couple years ago, I got to talk to them, and I asked Rhiannon, I asked my father-in-law, what would it be like if a whole bunch of people on the aircraft carrier just were there? They weren't really doing anything. They're like, <clears throat> they just laughed at me. Like, that's silly. That, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Everybody on this battleship has a role, and they all need to do their role. And because they're on mission together, they have something they're doing. We're going to go there to accomplish something together, and each of us plays our part. It's the same with the church. The church is more like a battleship 
than a cruise ship. We all have a role to play taking this ship in a great direction of expanding God's kingdom, of connecting people to him, which means you have a role and you have a uniquely given, God-given role. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says to each, this is talking about believers, every believer, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. These are called spiritual gifts, and there's lists in Scripture, and we can argue about what they are, but we're not going to do that. But you have been gifted. When you said yes to Jesus, you were given a unique ability, several abilities mixed together. Every person is unique that God wants to use in you for the common good, meaning the good of the church on mission within and without. So you have a role to play, and if you're not playing your role, we're missing out. And our job as, as the church, too, is to help one another find our roles and to fill those roles. You know, everything we do, every person serving this morning, you know, this is Volunteer Appreciation Month, and so we have this room for those who are volunteering, because every role that we have is vital to the mission. Whether you're out there greeting, I, I mean, this is fun stuff. You know, Don and Sandy lead our, our connections team, um, and my youngest daughter is Elise. She's right here, and she's sixth grade. I don't know. Um, but, but one day Don, they grow and they don't stop. Um, you know, one day Don sees her and he says, you know, you're always so happy and smiling. You know, w- would you consider being one of our greeters? And of course, she's built up by that. And then she does and does a good job. Well, she's only 12. She's 12. <laughs> but she has a role to play within the church. There's no age on this. You don't retire from it. You know, or you don't do it when you get out of high school. Everyone has a role to play, and it's important. You know, somebody could be walking in. Who knows why people come, but they come hurting in need, and they see the smile of a little girl. That could be what they needed that day. Or they come, and you go and talk to them, and you realize you share. Who knows what God wants to do? But each of us has a role to play. Every Jesus follower is uniquely gifted and spiritually empowered by God to contribute to the mission of the whole. There are no passengers. So, you know, in in church, in community, we have a lot of of, uh, church shopping. You move to a new town or for whatever reason, um, and that gets a bad rap, but it's not a bad thing. But I would say this. As you go church shopping, are you looking for a cruise ship, the thing that gives you all the things you want? Or rather, are you looking for the place God would want you to get involved because he wants to use you? And by the way, we're not the only church in town. There are other great churches in this town doing great things that that are different than us. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. And so we want people in those churches to thrive. You know, I met with a a pastor recently, you know, saying, hey, share with me when you have baptisms so we can celebrate those. We're one kingdom. We're we're one church, and we want to celebrate that. So there's nothing uniquely special about us. Well, I hope there is. Um, But there's something uniquely special about every church. And so our role is to find where does God want us to get involved with his mission to expand his kingdom, to help connect people to the abundant life only possible through an abiding relationship with Jesus. Doesn't that just roll off your tongue? So are are you engaged in the mission? Do you know your your spot? Are are you doing it? You know, sometimes people come here um, wounded. Uh, I've experienced that, wounded from other church experiences. And by the way, that's going to happen because people are people. And so people have come here wounded and went, I'm not ready to, to really 
get involved. And that's okay. Sometimes there needs to be a time of healing. And some of you are sitting right here that there was some time of that. And it's like, all right, now we need you. <laughs> you have gifts and abilities. And, and then those people have, all right, it's time to get involved and be really used. And so sometimes we need a little bit of healing. But then at some point, it's time to get in and use those gifts. And our church has been greatly blessed by those of you who have, who have done that, who have stepped in and led. Because there's others also coming wounded and, and hurt that need your experience. And now, we move to worship, which is part of the mission. As we go back, look back at Matthew 28. How does he begin uh, the, the Great Commission? He begins uh, in verse 18. And Jesus came. He said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the Great Commission begins with all authority is Jesus's. It's all about him. Uh, no pastor or church has any authority apart from Scripture, apart from Jesus. He is the authority. And then he ends it. I love the way he ends it. Verse 20. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So this mission, although it's exciting, although there's a lot of adventure, it's not God saving us and then saying good luck. It's God saving us and then saying let's go. <laughs> He's going with us. He's the power in it. He's the joy in it. And so a big part of our mission is to worship. And so now we're going to move into worship, and so our, our worship team is going to come up. Um, and I encourage you during this time, engage with Jesus. I mean, go back to the beginning of what we were talking about, that he rescued you from the domain of darkness. He transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son, where you have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He wants to give you abundant life. That just leads us to say thank you and to worship. I'm going to be in the back over here on the left as we go to worship. If you want to know what it means to have this relationship with Jesus, come talk to me. Or if you need prayer for, for anything else, that's what I'm going to be back there for. Come back and pray with me. But now let's worship. Let me pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word. Um, I thank you that you are the power in the church. I thank you that you are the authority. I thank you that we don't have to creatively come up with anything uh, but rather, it's all about you. And so, Jesus, I pray right now for us in this room that our hearts, it would be all about you. I mean, we go back to the greatest commandment uh, where, where people came to you, Jesus, said, what's the greatest commandment? And you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But God, we love you. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. We love you because you've already given us everything. We are secure in you for eternity. And we know you're here with us. Even those watching online, those at home, we know that you are there with them, that we are together, and we thank you. We thank you that it's all up to you and that we surrender to you. And so, God, if there's any steps we need to take, whether it's confession of sin, uh, whether it's getting involved uh, in a team, whatever that looks like, God, I pray that we would be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.